Welcome to the Nen Valley Vineyard podcast. What you're about to listen to is some teaching from our Sunday services. We're a church made up of people from Wellingborough through to Oundle spread across the Nen Valley and beyond. If you want to know more about us or find out how to get involved, visit our website, which is nenvalley.church, or you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Nen Valley Vineyard. So this morning we've got Sally and Simon coming to show. Do you guys want to come up and I'll I don't are you coming, Simon, or are you you hiding? You're coming later, have I? Yeah. Throw, me yes. in, throw me in the lion. <laughs> well they're not that bad. They're, they're all, um, <laughs> but just by way of so a couple of weeks ago, Carolyn came and shared um, about CAP Christians Against Poverty. And there's I think there's, well, we've already got stories of God at work in that. Um um, but we just happened to have a couple of gaps in our teaching calendar. And actually, we really wanted to put in front of everyone just a couple of kind of good causes, but actually causes that aren't directly linked to our church per se, um, you know, connected by relationship and, you know, oneness and want to see God's kingdom come. Um, uh, and so Sally and Simon are going to share about Teen Challenge. But just the thing that we often do when we hear how someone's come to talk about this good thing or something is we just kind of disengage. Could I encourage you just to engage? Um, they'll share more about what the vision is. But the vineyard's history has always been when it plants a church, normally the first thing it will do is care for the poor before it does much else. Um, there was an old John Wimberism that was, um, if, if you do not care for the poor, do not put the vineyard name above your door. And one of my... One of the struggles I've had as a, in my involvement in Vineyard in Wellingborough and then here was the struggle to figure out what do we do to help the poor when there is already so much good stuff going on. So um, hopefully this morning there's lots of opportunities for you, but just be open-hearted, uh, listening to the Holy Spirit, um, and just see if there's an invitation for you to get involved or support somehow. So hi. So if I see you snoring, I know you've disengaged. Um, yeah, I just really praise God for this opportunity to, to share with you a little bit about Team Challenge. Um, it's an organisation that started off in America back in the 1950s when there was a really big gang, gang culture and a lot of that revolved around um, drugs. Uh, we're always a little bit behind America, but it soon caught on here as well. So um, we've been leading Teen Challenge Wallingborough for 16 plus years now. Um, and I'm just going to tell you a little bit about the history so you know how we got there. It was originally a project that was an outreach um, from the church in Wellingborough um, that was the Christian Centre then. Um, and they wanted to reach out into the community. Um, and t- somebody from Teen Challenge came and, and gave um, a talk and a preach And out of that was born the outreach in Wellingborough. So I'm just going to ask Bruce to put the first slide on. So it all started with a bus. So our first bus was this little little one here. And that's actually, uh, I think that's in Urchester. Um, And uh, there was somebody there who gave their lives to the Lord. And he was delivered from alcohol. Uh, This is going right, right back to the very beginning and then we needed uh, a bigger bus. We had this bus here in Wellingborough, um, Earthlingborough, um, initially on a, a Friday evening. Uh, and as a result, they noticed a big drop in the crime rate. The guys that used to come onto that bus were as young as 11 and 12. And when you think we were out between 8 and 10 p.m. 
on a Friday night. And a lot of them were already taking weed and um, poppers, as they called it. Um, but they were so open and they were happy to share their stories and, and talk to us. Um, we then needed a bigger bus. So we got this bus here that says Helping Hurting People. Um, and that bus is all decked out with... Um, kind of tea, coffee, seating facilities. Um, and we were parked with, with that bus. We were in the town centre by the Market Square in Wellingborough. Um, we've got Dave here. Wave, Dave. Wave, Dave. That's a good one, isn't it? Uh, Dave used to drive that bus along with somebody called Lewis who originally led Teen Challenge. Well in Borough. Uh, and Bruce, if I can have the next one, please. So this is some of the team um, helping out. So I'm a bit younger there on the right. Uh, Lewis is in the middle. And you probably won't notice, uh, know these guys here. But yeah, and that's just part of the inside um, of the bus. So uh, that's some of the original team. We had some great times on that bus. Uh, at this particular time in Wellingborough, we didn't see many ladies. We had one lady called Kirsten um, who came on the bus at that time. Um, but sadly, she was only 35 when she died of a, a drug overdose. So it's a very short life sometimes as a, an addict. So then if we move on to the next slide, this is somebody called Ian Jess. And he was one of the first people to go into Teen Challenge UK um, for rehabilitation in the men's centre, which was then in Wales. It's now moved to Loughborough. But Ian said that if he hadn't have gone into Teen Challenge when he did, he wouldn't be alive today. He's still doing really well. This is Ian when he uh, graduated. They do a big ceremony, a graduation. And he's now a support worker at Teen Challenge. He's a lovely guy. Um, and that's him on his graduation day. You can see the spark in his eyes. Um, when we saw him, he, he didn't look like that at all. Um, but we've had... Uh, we had another guy called Wayne who went into Teen Challenge and he was almost at death's door. We didn't realise it. He actually didn't look that unwell, but he got dreadful ulcers on his legs. And if he hadn't have gone when he did, because uh, he always covered those up, he, he wouldn't have survived either. And he was only in his 30s at the time. Uh, could I have the next one, please? So this is uh, a more recent people of the... Uh, picture of the group so this is pre-lockdown and um, this is some of the team the guy on the right with the beard is presenting us with a check and he was from um, Lloyd's Bank in Wellingborough and how we got to know him is we've got a, a guy called Robert Bates um, who's been coming to us for a long time and he used to sleep rough in the doorway in where the Swans Gate is and these guys wanted to do something to help. And they said to Robert, come in and see us and we'll see what we can do to help. So he went in to see them and he said, what can we do to help? And he said, nothing for me, he said, but I tell you who you can help, my friends at Teen Challenge. And out of that came a relationship with this, the, um, this guy and one of the ladies from Lloyd's Bank in Wellingborough. They made a donation of lots of clothes and they raised some money for us. Uh, and that's just a picture of um, um, of us receiving that check. Next one, please. So this is a more current form. This is where we currently are in Nations at Wellingborough. 
And this is out on the balcony. And um, so this, again, is some of the team. You might recognise there's Sue there. Um, and there's a lovely lady, Margaret, who I've got my arm around. And, and there's me. Um, and then there's Alan. And this lovely guy on the end is somebody who made lots of donations and then he came to, to help us as well. Um, but the guy on the left um, sadly has passed away in lockdown and he was barely, I don't know if he even got to his 30th birthday um, of a drug overdose. So it's, it's, ve it's very, very sad. Uh, can I have another slide, please? Again, on the balcony... Uh, with some of the guys. Um, you can see Jane up there as well in that one. And uh, some of these guys have been coming for quite a while. And, uh, yeah, we, we let the dogs in as well. <laughs> Often more be better behaved than uh, the people. So, uh, yeah, so that's, again, out on the balcony at, at Nations. So that, that one was just pre-lockdown. Okay, and if uh, we can have the next one. So this is inside at Nations. And there you can see we've got our lovely Nancy as well. And uh, a rather handsome guy next to Alan. Do you recognise him? Simon Williams there. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so this is, um, this is some of the team. And we've got Dave on there as well. So, uh, again... Um, yeah, and I, we couldn't do the work without everybody's involvement. So if we can have the next slide, please. So this is One Christmas. So um, this was not long before lockdown when we did the Christmas meal. And I think at that Christmas meal, I can't remember, we must have had nearly, I can't remember whether it was 35 to 40 people um, and that's just a few of them so what we did we um, at the Victoria Centre we um, we had a lovely meal for all the guys and actually made some new friendships as a result of that meal as well um, so they had a full Christmas dinner and we had gifts for everybody as well um, if we can have the next one please so some of the guys we help at Christmas time um, and if you can see this lovely lady on the right, that's Elaine. And um, that, that must have been about two, nearly three, well, it'll be three years ago this Christmas. And then most of you might have seen Martin and Miles has been here sometimes as well. So that's just in Teen Challenge itself. We usually do some Christmas bags and, and put lots of things in them for the guys. Uh, if we can have the next one. Yeah, again, this is Rob Bates who I was telling you about who said, oh, you know, I don't want anything but my friends at Teen Challenge. Um, and that, that was a Christmas at Everyday, when we were Everyday Champions. So if we can have the next one. So these are two guys. This is a recent one who agreed for me to interview them on Friday. Um, so this is... Do you know I'm dreadful with names? I'm going to get it wrong. I think, that, yeah, this is Graham in the blue and Harper in um, with the ripped jeans on on the right. So I don't know if this is going to work, Bruce. If we click on uh, Graham, if I've got the name wrong, you'll know because I say in the, in the video who he actually is. So um, He's only been twice. So uh, I just asked him how, how he found Team Challenge. So we're just going to wait and see if that plays. It, it might not work. Hi, this is Graham. Uh, oh, there's my voice in the background.
Hi, this is Graham. Uh, Graham, if you could just tell us how we've helped you here at Team Challenge. Um, I've only, this is my second time being here, but I come on Wednesday, now Friday. But I received some food on Wednesday too. James rang me up like six times. Hotel pack. Um, very, very helpful. Uh, lovely. Sent me home with some pack up. And, yeah. and do, do you find the atmosphere um, a good atmosphere? Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Brilliant. Okay. Okay, that's great. And then, then Harper just started to say there he is, but it's not. Okay, and that's all we got of Harper. <laughs> but um, yeah, he's been coming for quite a while as well. So um, yeah, so it was really good that they um, said that they would just say a little bit about it for us. Thank you, Bruce. And I feel like if I fall over, it's because I'm trying to look at it from back to front. But this is one of the key um, verses from Isaiah uh, 61, 1 to 3. And I'm just going to read it because it really sums up why we do what we do. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Most of our guys are poor. Most of our guys are brokenhearted, either from where they were before they started taking drugs or as a result of the life that drugs leads them into. Um, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, they're captive in this world, and to release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. So it's like going from night to day. And if we can have the next slide. So this isn't guys here that we have had anything to do with in Wellingborough, but these are just pictures that come from Hope House um, of some of the girls that have gone in there. So you wouldn't recognize them. This is the before and this is the after the and then there's one of one of the guys. And I just think this picture is haunting on the left. And, and that's him following the, the programme at Team Challenge Wellingborough. And to be fair, we see people just like that in exactly that condition. You wouldn't recognise them when they have been through uh, rehab. It is a Christian programme. They will tell them that Jesus loves them. And um, I'm just going to give you... Um, a bit. So our kind of ethos is for each person to feel valued, loved, and to have hope. And we like to provide food and clothing and also to show the love of Jesus in action. We don't need to preach at people. If they ask, we just tell them. And um, we will offer to pray with people if they want that too. Um, but Hope House wants to put hope into the life of every addict. Uh, we like to listen and to support people where they are. That could be in the community. Not everybody wants to go to rehab. Rehab is absolutely fantastic. It is the best thing that they could do, but not everybody can do that. So we will support them just where they are.
We can refer into rehab, either into Teen Challenge or other Christian rehabs, and we support the people that go in. We help financially, uh, and we will help get them there, and we will support them through the process. We also work with other agencies um, and help with benefits. There are some people there in our team who can do that. And sometimes people just need like a, a break, so we'll put them up for two to three nights in a hotel, and that just depends on our funds because most of our funding we, we do ourselves. We, we've got no outside help. But we've had some really great answers to prayer. Uh, we recently had some funding granted with no strings attached. Um, and we've also got some possible funds coming up for um, a new a new one new shower and um, for one to be refurbished at Nations. Um, the police come round just to see what we do. And for the last, I think it's three to four weeks, the Rough Sleepers housing team now comes in every Wednesday, which has been invaluable. Um, and also we obviously refer to rehab. It's been a real privilege working in this work. I can truly say that I love the people that I work with on the team, our volunteers. I love the people that we come into contact with every single week. Um, We've had three ladies in the last month apply for rehab. We've got one lady going to rehab, one who is looking to have an interview in the next couple of weeks. At the moment, we can get between 20 and 30 people every single week. And we go run on a Wednesday afternoon and a Friday evening. And we provide food, hot food, we provide clothes, we provide sleeping bags. If we've got enough of a team, the guys will also go out and have a look around. A few years ago, I prayed about the ladies because we used to see a lot of men. You didn't used to see women because they were mainly hidden. But certainly within the last five or so years, you see more and more women. And I find that the women are more broken even than the guys. Often their needs are far more complex. Um, and it just breaks my heart. Um, but God is so good uh, because he's in the business of restoring broken lives. Um, and we also, out of Teen Challenge, we wanted to, people to know about the love of God in a kind of more structured way. So we do street church on the first Sunday of every month. Uh, and we, we provide food there and uh, we do some singing um, and we do that with a group um, from Glen Eagles Church as well. Um, and again, um, that is, that's been a real blessing. So if we can just have the next slide, Bruce. So this is Hope House Residential Centre. And that's um, just outside of Swansea. Um, and then if we can have the next one. Um, it could be me. It could be you. There, but for God's grace, can go any one of us given the right set of circumstances. So if we can have the next one. So I'm going to show a short video, and this will tell you how Teen st um, Challenge started. And also uh, one man who is a, an ex-gang member who helps with gangs in London. Uh, he's part of their uh, Teen Challenge London, and they go out and share the message of hope and the gospel showing that there is a way out of this 
gang life. And I just praise God for the people who are willing to go out and do this dangerous work. Now, this is going back to 2012. And after this, I'll give you a few statistics. So uh, I'm going to sit down for a minute and just let you watch this. Britain's Prime Minister is vowing an all-out war on gangs and gang culture. The Prime Minister agreed that anyone who takes to the streets carrying a knife know that the result of that is likely to be a prison sentence. We've got to get tougher. They're talking about these fogs, this, these fogs, that there's no hope for them. And this is their way of reacting. The, the issue of a gang culture that has emerged over the last few years, in particular with uh, young teenagers, um, and this seems to have exacerbated the situation in the sense that these gangs that you often fight each other have now turned and unified uh, and have turned against society at, the, at, uh, at large. In the inner city, we are seeing that uh, gang life and affiliation is increasing. Many uh, people uh, have violence, uh, are involved in violence because of gang life. Uh, many lives have been taken because of gang affiliation. We try to show these young people love, okay? We try and do this by our actions, by our words, by our deeds. And um, to us, the T gangs, it is our most important weapon, is love. The E Gangs project is made up of a number of workers who go out onto local estates, work with local community youth centres and help people and mentor and disciple young men who are in gangs at the moment and offer them a place out of their lifestyle, maybe into the Teen Challenge programme in the home in London or around the country, or just help them to get work, help them to escape their lifestyle and even relocate and find work. We'll work with any area required, we work with the parents, we will help with schooling, we will help with education, relocation. Ultimately, we will try and help them to get a job, to get employment. And the programme we've got developed at E-Gangs helps us to identify the specific areas where the individual will need help. That's the, that's the, that's the cycle, to go out and find youth on the street, bring our message to them, show, tell them that there's hope outside of the street and street life that there is another life that they can have and uh, if they choose to be part of it then, then to mentor them e-gangs merged with the way forward a mentorship program helping those who have come out of prison reintegrate back into society they were set up to work with young people some of the most challenging young people um young offenders and ex-offenders um, those that you know find it most challenging um, to get employment and find themselves in the cycle of reoffending. So um, our focus is about supporting them and trying to um, really work with trying to change their mindsets and also help them to integrate in society and eventually get them into sustainable jobs. E-Gangs met with Kevin Brown, ex-LAPD cop for 30 years, now turned pastor. Kevin Brown has launched a ministry aimed at gang members from Compton, Los Angeles and the surrounding areas. Thank you as uh, Paul and Gavin continue to go out and do the work, the front lines, Father God, and that he would not hold back, Father God, but there would be a newness, a freshness. The connection I see between the gangs in Los Angeles, Orange County, uh, here in London, and actually throughout the world, even in the Middle East, we have a lot of terrorism. It's the same spirit. And so what we as the body of Christ have to learn how to do is how to target the spirit realm where the strongholds operate so that we can possess the land that God has called us to possess.
The Ministry of Teen Challenge started over 50 years ago in New York. Reverend David Wilkerson worked with gang members, reaching out God's love and trying to help them out of the gang life. I'm going to love them. I'm going to love them with a sharp blade. Now you shut up and listen to me. You say you got to kill them because of what they did to you. You got to kill them because of what they've done to you. Everybody's griping about this atrocity and that tragedy. All I hear is what a rotten deal we've all got. He started the first Teen Challenge home in Brooklyn, New York, and helped a number of gang leaders escape their gang life. Man, I got your life right in my hands. I can take it away, or I can give it back to you. In 2012, the police and the Home Office published a report that said there were 250 active gangs in London with nearly 5,000 gang members. 62 of these have been classified as high harm, all with their own postcode territory. We asked ex-gang member Gavin McKenna what happens when a young person with gang affiliation crosses that postcode border. It's drama, you know, it's like, I wouldn't dare go into certain areas. Even, even now, I, I feel twice, because you're seen in the next man's area, he's, 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 on, he's, on, he's, he's gonna get on you, you know, he's gonna stab you, he's gonna shoot you, or at the very least, you're gonna have a fight. They cannot leave the area, okay? They will not catch a bus. They cannot go shopping with their parents. They can't go to the job centre. They can't go to college, university. They, they cannot leave the postcode. This is the little world that these young people have trapped themselves in. Okay, they travel everywhere by taxi. They are basically terrified to leave that postcode. With so many young lives cut short throughout the UK and London, it's hard to imagine that there's another side to this deadly era of gang culture. Seydou Dira Suba died in Foot Locker in November after being stabbed in the chest. In Britain, the first day of the so-called January sales turned to tragedy after a man was stabbed to death on London's busy Oxford Street. Yeah, I knew what they were doing was wrong. Man, I see them rape girls, see them stab people. You know, I tried to get out of it, but it wasn't happening. Like, one day I was leaving my estate and they called me, they rushed me, man. Hospitalized me. I face the power of sin on my own. I did not know of a place I could go. You'd be surprised how many of these um, these young people don't really want to be in a gang. They feel they feel as if they're forced. They feel peer pressured. They feel trapped. Can you ever really leave it? Can you fully leave that life? Really put down your knife and gun and walk the street safely? They look on the gang as, as a family unit. They, they think it's protection. They also seem to think that it's all they've got. You know, they think that's the only future they have is gang life. At E gangs, we expose this life. We expose this life and we, and we show these kids that the world's the oyster and they can become anything they want to be. The greatest solutions that I see for gangs is uh, Jesus ministering, you know, the, the word of God to them, 
and let them know that there's somebody that cares about them. We're offering them an alternative way of life that I don't believe they know existed. In the word, the gangs, the way forward is help. It's the message that we bring, the message of hope and reconciliation, the message that our lives can find a meaning, the message that we can be reconciled to a living God who can save us and deliver us and also give us power to live a life more abundantly. That seems a long way away in London. That was in 2012, and we know that things have got worse since then. So this is an update. So this is from 2021. So in London, 30 male teenagers between the ages of 14 and 19 were killed. Most were stabbed to death. 74.4% of all homicides were caused by knives or sharp implements. There were 133 homicides in 2021. London recorded the highest number of teenage homicides caused by knife and gun crimes. It was down um, in 2020, just partly due to lockdown. And 2021 showed a disproportionately high number of teenagers, most related to gangs. This problem is now in all of our areas in our country. We need to pray. Um, it's also very, very local. It's really, really sad. Um, the Home, of, home Office figures for the 12 months to June the 21 showed that just in our own county, there were 724 serious knife offences, including two murders, 369 assaults involving a knife which resulted in injury, 224 robbery offences involving a knife, 24 knife-related rapes or sexual offences. That was up to January this year. And that's just what they know about. I mean, the true figures are probably much higher. And Northamptonshire uh, police are saying that knife crime is a priority. Just in Wellingborough, which isn't far away, a young man, 16-year-old Dylan, was stabbed to death. A Corby teenager was sentenced to a minimum of 15 years for stabbing a boy of 16-year-olds to death. And actually, the perpetrators actually doing the stabbings are often as young as this as well. Knife crime in Northamptonshire has increased by more than 40% in four years. That was up to 19, 2019. We need to desperately pray for our county and communities for our young people and those trying to help, local youth groups, boxing initiatives. This is happening near you, Wellingborough, Rushton, Corby, Northampton, Kettering and all the villages. Actually, at Teen Challenge, in the last two to three weeks, one of our clients has already almost lost his life. He was stabbed several times. He was fortunate enough to survive. It really brings it home. And one of our ladies... Has been was related to the teenager who died uh, in Wellingborough, and the perpetrators are this young too. A lot of this, although it's knife crime, is often related to drugs and gangs and, and that whole culture. And often when they're in these gangs, they can't get out of it. And often young people who have been in care uh, are an easy target for these guys. Uh, if we can just have the next slide. So what can you do to help? 
prayer. We would like to develop a team who can pray on a weekly basis for the work. If you want to, you can sign up. You don't have to actually come to Teen Challenge to do that. Um, if there is a group that would like to pray for us, that would be absolutely fantastic. God uh, can move mountains. Uh, if anybody wants to make a donation, if it's money, just mark it in an envelope uh, with Teen Challenge on. But also we need things like sleeping bags, small flasks, uh, clothing. It doesn't have to be brand new, but in good condition. But obviously any underwear we like new. Uh, any For male and females, often the girls tend to be very, very tiny um, and also toiletries. Uh, if you want to know more, just come and talk to me or Simon. Um, and we've got a bit of information uh, on the table at the back. Um, so, yeah, just, just pray for these guys because drugs takes everything away from them. It takes away their families. It takes away their friends. It takes away their lives. Uh, it takes away their children. It, it takes away their dignity. Um, and we just want that all to be restored back to them. Um, is that the end, Bruce? Have I? Yeah. So that's the end. I'm just going to ask Simon to pop up. But can I just ask those that are involved with Team Challenge Wellingborough, could you just stand up so people can see who you are? So there's a few guys, there's a few away as well. Jane, um, who's been doing this work with me from the beginning, she's also uh, involved in the work. But, but thank you very much for, for everybody. Uh, I'm just going to hand over to Simon. Well, I'm slightly worried on two points this morning. Now, if any of you don't know, Sally's my wife. And I haven't been home since Friday because I've been on a double shift. I've literally come straight from work. So when she calls me handsome... There's either she's brought something or she wants something, so I've still to find that out, so pray for me. And then Liz said about teaching, and I thought, have I got the right week? So then I realised that's what the stick for six is about, so next week someone who actually knows what they're doing will be up here. So I've got the joy, basically, just to tell you how Teen Challenge works and why it works, and some practical tips. So I need my glasses so I can see what I'm doing. So firstly, it's completely and utterly Christ-centred. There's no deviation from it. It is centred on Christ because he's the only one that can do the work. And I'm going to give you a couple of stories while we're on the way. Every year up until COVID, we have a, a Teen Challenge conference. And that's when every team from the UK gets together. The guys and girls that are usually on phase three, which is the last phase of the project, will come in. They'll, they'll worship. They'll give testimonies. But the year before COVID, we had the minister who was the actual South African minister for the whole of Teen Challenge shares some stories and he was an, again an ex-gangland you know boss and he gave his life to Christ and he felt Christ wanted him to apply to church so, but he wanted him to plant it in the middle of a suburb which had two of the worst warring gangs in the whole of the area so he did what he was told he planted the church so they set the church up for the first uh, morning to open and he gets a phone call at midnight to say, don't bother opening. We've been broken into. All the worship gear's been nicked. So he said, that's fine. He said, we're still going to open. So because he's an ex-gangland, he, he knows the two main gangland leaders. So he rings them and says, I've got a church service starting in five hours. I expect whichever one of you has got my worship equipment to have it back into the church by the time I open. He then gets a call two hours later from the caretaker again. We've been broken into. 
He said, well, what have they nicked? He said, well, they've nicked nothing, but all your worship equipment's back. <laughs> and that's the type of God we serve. And I think the church, especially in this country, has forgotten it. We serve a very powerful God. And the only way we're going to break the drug culture in this country is by having Christ-centered works about it because it gives them something else to plant into their lives rather than the drugs. And then, I mean, Sally's talked about the team, but the reason it works as well is because the team's 100% committed to what they're doing. You know, this is one of the works, if you're only 99% committed, it will find you out. You've got to be 100% committed because it's difficult. So then I've got, you know, how do we work? Firstly, we're over 18s only because, you know, there are safety issues around children. You know, Sally said this about children in care. I work with children in care. And I'll give you some examples. We had, obviously, do a lot of county lines training. And county lines is when drug dealers from the main cities will come into this area and take over. And they especially target children in care. And we've had stories from the police where a child's been sitting, sitting in the home, they've had a phone call and they've got up and there's been a taxi that's pulled up in the, at the home to take that child. And that taxi's come from Birmingham, Manchester or London. They target the vulnerable. So we are 18s and overs, and anyone under 18, we will point in the right direction and get them the help they need. But, you know, God talks in the Bible about wisdom. And, you know, sometimes as Christians, we jump in with two feet, and we don't realise what we've jumped into. So we, as Teen Challenge, are very strict on how we work. And these rules have been placed down by the guys that have gone through the programme. So we'd always work in pairs. We would never do things singularly. If there's a female, our female leaders will deal with it. As men, we will not deal with it. We will support them, but we've got to be wise. If there's a male involved, the male leaders will deal with it. We don't give phone numbers. We don't give addresses. We have a Teen Challenge phone, which is a special phone, which they can ring at any point, day or night. And if we work, obviously, all of us work, so as long as we can answer it, we'll answer it. You know, some organisations in the town don't do that, and it causes problems, because once they get your personal number, they will often sell their phones for money for drugs. The phones will be nicked, or they'll be constantly calling. So we'd never, ever give. You know, because the realistic is, the people we deal with have quite significant criminal histories. We've dealt with people that have been inside for murder, manslaughter, um, GBH, ABH, carrying weapons, down to petty theft. So we're really, really strict on how we work because safety is paramount. We never give money. You know, often you'll see on the streets and you'll say, I'm asking for money. The way I look at it is this. The £5 you give them might be the £5 that goes and kills them. Simple as that. Because the reality is, they might tell you they want it for food or drink, but they'll go and spend it on drink or drugs. So do something practical. Go and buy them something to eat. Go and buy them a soft drink. You're still doing it. You're just not giving them the means to go and buy something that's going to hurt them. And that's love. You know, that's love. And it also takes time to do it. If they're wet, Go and buy them a coat or go and buy them a sleeping bag. Do something practical, but don't ever give them money. Because as much as the stories they'll tell you, they just want the money for the drugs because that's what their body needs. 
They crave it because that's what the addiction is. You know, we treat them like family. We try and treat them as brothers and sisters. And the simple reason being, if my brother or my sister were in that need, I would do everything I could to get them out of it. So we try and create a really good atmosphere. We laugh a lot. We joke a lot. You know, and that's what they, they, they want to come in, so something that's going to relax them. They, they feel a part of, they feel that they're wanted. Because so much in society, they feel outcasts. Society doesn't want them. Now, it's amazing, isn't it? You know, society, we look at our pop stars that have died from drug overdoses and everyone mourns the loss of them. And yet we have a, dr- a person that's in, a, in the doorway that dies of the same drug overdose and they're called everything under the sun. There's no difference at all by one's got a, a big mansion and was famous, the other one's got nothing. But they've died of the same addiction. So we build relationships with them. And those relationships take time. It doesn't happen overnight. And we've experienced a lot of Eastern European men, especially. And we have one in particular called Attila. Now, he speaks very, very little English. We've known him for six years now. And the only way I built a relationship with him is I realised he loved football. Now, he's a Manchester United fan, so he needed prayer before he even started. But he loved his football. So all I would do was sit with him. And we were literally on my phone every day. We'd go through the football results. And thankfully, it's a lot more pleasurable now, Manchester United constantly losing. But that's how we built the relationship with him. And then we were able to say he got all his documents stolen. So we, he trusted us enough to take him to the Hungarian embassy in London, which sounded a tremendous idea at the time. So myself and Martin were taking him until it dawned on me halfway to St Pancras, that I'd forgotten to explain to him the etiquette on the London Underground. That obviously when you get the escalators, you've got to stand one side, if you want to stand, and then they walk the other side, don't they? He didn't quite understand also that in London, they seem to forget the word please and thank you. So to try and explain to him, as I was getting there, I'm thinking, Lord, please do not let him kill anybody. Please let no one in the station get taken away in an ambulance, because he was not very happy when they're pushing him out of the way. But the trust is there. And he still comes in. Thankfully, I wasn't there on Wednesday because on Tuesday, Hungary beat England 4-0 and he was going to have a field day with me. So I was, thank God I was working. But it's relationship. That's what it's all about, building relationships. Now, obviously, COVID hit and everything had to change. We had to shut, but the need still was there. So we, we became part of a team that used to go into the hotels and take where the guys were placed and take food in. So you'd usually work in twos. There'd be one cooking the food, the other one would be dropping it off. But it just kept a contact going. And we were able to sort of work within the rules of just how to sort of meet up with them, how to support them. But obviously through this mental health, which they suffered badly with anyway, was going through the roof. But it was a tough two years. But thankfully, we're sort of back open again. Um, things are getting slightly back to normal. We're able to use the showers now. And again, we are beginning to work with more teams now. The rough sleeping team, like Sally said, have only just come on board. We've been asking for, for a long time, but they're starting to come on board, which is a great help. The local PCSOs are coming in. You know, we work with street pastors. We did a, how many years ago now? Many years ago, where we used to go out with their Friday night team. And I then trained as a street pastor, so that's invaluable. 
So how can the church help? Well, the first thing is prayer. You know, not everybody's going to be called to this work because, you know, Dave, Sally and Jane are originals. And I'll pay tribute to the three of them. To still be going after that many years in this type of work is amazing. I came on board, what, 10 years ago? A bit less than nine. So I used to do youth. That was, my, that was my remit. And Sally said they needed more men. And so I said, would you come? And I, the first thing I thought is, how am I going to talk to them? What am I going to have in common with them? But you know what? When I heard their life stories and my life stories, they married up so well. And I've got to be honest, I think it's the biggest privilege I've had by doing youth work and doing this. So, you know, we heard a couple of weeks ago, Carolyn shared about CAP. And, you know, when I was thinking about that, I was thinking, you know, we can get these guys through rehab, but they're going to come with mountains of debt. So to get them back on their feet, we've got to work in partnership with each other. You know, we've got to, as a church, pray. So I think Sally said everything else I was going to say about toiletries, boxes, but I think we're going to have a time of prayer now. But just pray for us as a team, you know, because it is tough. You know, you would be surprised what goes on in Wellingborough. You know, Paul's here with me, and Kath's here, who's just um, prayer bastard. We go out, usually we're out next week, aren't we, Paul? Or this coming Saturday. If I was to say to you right now, let's make a phone call. We'll order a pizza, or I'll get one of our lads down to order a Class A drug. I can guarantee to you right now the Class A drug will be here before the pizza. That's how quick it is. And that's no joke. You know, we see regularly on a Saturday night in Wellingborough, don't we, Paul, just young lads of 11 and 12, 13 on scooters peddling drugs for the drug dealers. And there's nothing the police can do because it's so quick. The police are so tied up with so many other bits going on. But it's happening in the local area. It'll be happening in Rawns. It will be happening in Kettering. It will happen in Northampton. And, you know, I really believe the opportunity now for the church is great because people at the minute are so desperate with the lot's happened for the last two years. I think the openings are there. But let's just pray because, you know, as I hate to see children in this type of situation, that's what we're going to have. You know, I at work, work with children in care. And I see their backgrounds. And when I see a 12-year-old that thinks it's absolutely natural that their mum gives them cannabis, it disheartens me greatly. You know, when we see in our streets and we walk down our streets and we think it's normal that someone lights a cannabis joint up and walks down the street with it, we're in problems. Our next-door neighbours smoke it. And our house stinks of it. You know, while we allow the small things to carry on, it leads to big things. Because, you know, often in the cannabis, the dealers will put heroin in. They put cocaine in because it hooks them. So let's start praying for the small things. And if we get them sorted, it will knock on to the big things. So, Luz, we can pray to you. Well, thanks so much for listening to this teaching from Nen Valley Vineyard. We pray it blesses you and produces good fruit in you. If we can connect to you or help you engage with our community, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us via our website, which is nenvalley.church.